With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. You might hear the word insolvency and think, companies. But insolvency is just another term to describe serious financial problems for anyone. You could be insolvent if you can't pay your bills in full when they're due. You're paying a little off each bill trying to keep creditors at bay. Or you've had calls and letters about missed repayments and threats of repossession. The Insolvency Service of Ireland, or ISI, has four debt solutions to help people with all levels of problem debt, from credit cards to mortgages. For more information, visit backontrack.ie or free text get help to 50015. The ISI. Together, we'll get you back on track. Uh, welcome to episode 78 of the bloodandmud.com podcast. 78, uh, like the year that we gained the Darkness on the Edge of Town album by Bruce Springsteen. But we also lost Pope Paul VI, so it was a bit of a mixed bag that year, really. Well, Wales won the other uh, triple triple crown in '78. Was it as well? Well, see, rugby facts are far more relevant, Mike, than ones yeah. about Bruce Springsteen, yeah. my favourite singer. I'm Lee Calvert. Um, I'm the editor of Bloodandwood.com, and in the absence of Josh Gardner, who's ridiculously off sunning himself mid-season, we have the magnificent specimen off the bench, Mr. Mike Bobbins. Welcome, Mike. Well, hello, Lee. Hello, world. I was going to ask you the number 78 meant anything to you, but you've already answered that question, haven't you? Oh, I got the commemorative tanker in my bar stop, 78. Do you use it to pour water over your head in the bath? I anoint myself every Six Nations, yeah, with, with Brains SA. And how's that going so far? Not very good recently. Hey, come on now. <laughs> the last 10 years have been quite damp. They have, yeah. Uh, you can get in touch with the pod. Uh, me, I'm at Blood and Mud, uh, or Lee at bloodandmud.com, or there's a Facebook page and all that kind of stuff. What about you, Mike, on Twitter, if you want to find you? Just at Mike Bubbins, or there's uh, there's MikeBubbins.com to ask me some fruity questions on there. Or there's uh, yeah, usual sort of thing. Uh, the pod's available on Acast, on Apple Podcasts, and you can leave reviews on there and all that kind of stuff if you like what we do. It helps, apparently. People keep saying that. I don't know how it helps. Because even though we keep getting good reviews, we're nowhere to be seen in the rugby podcasting on Apple Play, Apple yeah, Podcasts. But, you know, I'm not going to go into that. I'm not, not going to get bitter about it. I blame Josh, mate. He's not here. Blame, blame Josh. Blame Josh. That's, that's a very good point. I can either blame Josh for everything or say Josh would agree with me when I say something ridiculous. There we go. 
<laughs> so what have we got coming up tonight? Well, we've got a uh, player spotted as usual. We're going to talk about what we've learned from the weekend. I've got a few rugby pick and mixes. We've got um, a story about Carl Ferns, and then we'll, we'll probably finish on the on the shit good and wherever else this takes us this week. Um, let's start with a player spotted. Uh, as you know, Mike, because you obviously you listen to this regularly. I do, I do. <laughs> uh, we like to have play spotted where it's a story that's incredibly mundane about a rugby player. So Ollie Davis got in touch on the Facebook page and he said, I was in a central Worcester burger restaurant for lunch. Yeah. And it's already a strong start on the mundane front. It's a great start, isn't it? Got a yeah. good gambit. Yes. <laughs> and a group of typical rugby lads sat down at the table next to ours. I couldn't identify three or four of the boys. I don't think they were professionals, but one of them was Warriors, Worcester Warriors in England hooker, Jack Singleton. Mm. I didn't get time to see his burger of choice as we were setting up. So settling up, not setting up, settling up. Mm-hmm. But I did spot a red stripe beverage in front of him. I don't really know where I stand on seeing England players drinking red stripe. Discuss. Well, so mate, we... I'm a big fan of the 1970s. I, that, to me, that should be compulsory, really. So he has a Drink, 70s season, man. I, I think... Drinking before, after games, during games. But what about what about red stripe? Though? I thought as a 70s man, you'd be more double diamond or, or McEwen's export. I mean, ideally, if you, can get, if you get a hold of that, yeah, but it's all sort of past the sell by now, isn't it? But I mean... Drink whatever, really. I, you... I, I, I like the old Colin Smart story when he drank the drank the pint, pint of aftershave, the old England prop in the seventies, didn't he? Yeah, how he survived, I do not know. Mind no, you... if, if you listen to this, do not drink. A, don't drink a pint of aftershave. No, I'm assuming that everything was strange. Was everything weaker in the seventies? Because brute can't have been like a proper full strength aftershave. Drinking that I compared still, to I like still wear brute, you can still get it. I, I got old can, yeah. Brute yeah, yeah. But brute can't be as strong as, for example, Kuros. No, Just maybe by... you're right there. Yeah, maybe Kuros was high karate was, was very very you know that was a, a high karate and tonic was was a, was a drink of choice. In my <laughs> it was a drink and a musk in one. What 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 more would you want than that? Exactly. So there you go. Speaking of Jack Singleton, by the way, this is quite mm. uh, serendipitous that this weekend Mel Scholton got in touch with the pod, sent us a video. I don't know if you've seen this, Mike, of Hugo Monier throwing the ball at Jack Singleton's head from the commentary gantry this weekend. Did he make contact? Then, or? He did, yeah. It was a proper... Oh, he, he stood up, he launched it, sort of hooker yeah. stroke quarterback Dan Marino style, and it bounced out of the back of Jack Singleton's head. Great shot. I did, well, I did. I was, when I was a school teacher, I taught PE for about 10 years. And we had a kid once who was ignoring me in a, in a rugby lesson, like a year eight kid, who then just walked off. And I did a similar thing, Joe Montana style. I, I, I threw a size, two, a size three ball. Mina did just miss him. I wasn't that accurate, man. I hit him in the back of the head, and uh, I could just see my whole career flash right on my eyes. <laughs> PE uh, teachers we, destroying people's spirits one one ball throw yeah, at a time. We played it down, and he was good as gold afterwards. Well, he probably taught him a thing or two. Let's be honest, Mike. You know, well, I tr- you got to pay attention, don't you? At all the times, always pay attention. Don't turn your back on the ball. Valuable lesson. Weirdly, I played rugby league because I'm from Lancashire, as you can tell originally yeah, by yeah. my voice, and I played rugby league for a long time. And for years, that was the mantra when defending. When you're going back 10, never, ever, ever turn around. Always look at the ball as Always you're going back. back yeah, yeah. However, that did change in the, sort of, in the last sort of last knockings of me playing. They were saying it was better to turn, get back quick, and then set yourself up again. Don't know where I stood on that, but, you know. Oh, no, no, no. I don't know. Well, I mean, Alec, yeah, Ray French wouldn't be happy with that, would he? He would not be happy with that at all. Alex Murphy wouldn't be happy with that. He wouldn't. He wouldn't. Lee Crooks. I mean, <laughs> Lee Crooks. I can't speak. If you bring Lathers Crooks, you'll take some stopping. Was it Ray French's, one of Ray French's favourite line? If this referee's taken them back 10, I wouldn't like him to fit my carpet. <laughs> Joe Agent, water, try. <laughs> He's just reminding them you must stay on your feet to the play of the ball. So, 
What was the, what was the great know. Ray French one? This, I mean, this, this St. Helens defence is like trying to open a tin of corned beef. That was one of his. He's a pearl, wasn't he? He was still he's going. He's, he's... We've got a 13 man code. What are we doing? I know, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everyone knows I see off into that anyway. So, what did we learn? Well, let's talk about what we learned from the weekend, shall we? Did you catch yeah. much rugby this weekend, Mike? Sure, I did. I had a friend down from London this weekend, so I had a bit of a hiatus. I um, I saw a little bit of it. I, I like to watch the live games, but I, I saw a bit Friday night. Um, I saw a bit of the Blues, and that was depressing enough. So I stopped watching it. Fairly, do we, do fairly we define? Do we define what the Blues do as rugby anymore? Oh God, no! I don't know. I don't know what they're doing. I mean, I'm, I. I, that was my club as a kid. You know, I played there at under nineteen and under twenty ones, and I played for the seconds. You know, before I went to do, do my travelling and all that sort of bits and bobs. But um, I don't know what I, I don't know what they've been doing for the last twenty years. To be honest, it's it's just it, it amuses me from the from the die young days right the way through to now. I just don't, I don't know what they're doing. They got lots of talent down there, you know, but they don't seem to bring anybody through. I don't know what they're doing. I think the whole, I think the whole provincial thing was a, was a bit of a cock up from start to finish. To be honest, I think the whole David Moffat experiment has not been particularly great. I know people always trot out the fact that we've we've done well in the in the Six Nations since then, which is true. But but I think my theory is is the opposite. I think well, how well would we have done if those promises weren't in place? So I don't know. I don't, I don't think regional rugby is, is a good fit for Wales. Um, it's two ways to look at it, isn't it? I won't, go, I won't go into this too much, but there's two ways to look at it in that it's about concentrated playing base, isn't it? There's one argument to say that actually four regional teams or you know professional teams, if you want to put it that way, is too much for Wales because they can't afford it. There's only yeah, enough sure. money for three, I don't, probably. I don't, think, I don't think it would hurt Welsh rugby to have a sort of semi-professional 12, 10 or 12 teams and then have one, you know, one big team in European competitions. That's, that's the way I'd play it, but I mean, yeah. what do I know? What do I know? So that become the national team by default, wouldn't it? I suppose. I think so, but then you could, you, you could bring players into it, and you could you could be a bit more experimental. I think you could, you could take people who weren't. Um, it's more of a spectacle, obviously. You, you're playing it in those in those sort of tournaments. You, you could bring players in that weren't that weren't um, Welsh eligible. You know, you could still bring players in from all over the world. But mm. I just don't think. I think you'd want to watch like some of the Scarlets games. You got that lovely big old state that stadium there. They, they, Obviously, took the old place down, built the new Scarlet Stadium, but there's no one there. I mean, it's like it's like three quarters empty on a regular basis. What a liberty to say, but to be honest, those places like Sale as well, you know, it's 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 you know, everyone knows the money's made from TV money at the minute. But of course, and then you look at the the products on the field for the Scarlets though, and last year it was amazing. So it's 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 hard to know. So I don't know what they're doing with it. I don't know. I think people in Wales, I don't know if it's a, if we're a bit more. Parochial, but I think people miss the old Neath and Swansea and Cardiff and Pontypool and Pontypree and that sort of those little rivalries and derbies. And there's certainly, I was there's certainly a, a rump of that, but we won't go into that any further. Yeah. We could drift down a Welsh rabbit hole, you know, for a long way there. So what did we learn from the weekend? One thing I learned is you never should ever ever predict anything after one week of rugby. I was thinking about Gloucester. I mean, talking about up and down in, in the space for a couple of weeks. Amazing, yeah, because I mean, last season Gloucester were nothing. Somebody, a listener, did christen them the Chocomatic 3000 because they kept losing so many. You can't predict anything from one week. Gloucester were up and then they were down. And yeah. same evidence, last week, uh, Northampton were the worst team in the entire world and everyone should be sacked. And now they've won again this week. I just hope we don't go down the old football route. You know, I hope we don't start getting rid of managers and coaches within the first month of the season, you know. Because that's the case in point with the Northampton, isn't it? You know, go back yeah. seven days, they'd have sacked everybody. And I think all th- good again. Yeah, I think the thing with rugby, I was surprised that they kept Man Under on for the, throughout the summer, to be honest. I thought they had a chance then. But I suppose, 
you know, they played well this weekend, crap the weekend before. We'll see how it pans out from that. One thing I learned as well on the weekend is that I was watching the Dragons game mm. and it's yet more evidence that the TMO is nothing but a despicable fucking grass in my eyes. <laughs> I just wish they... They don't seem to be losing their mind about the TMO, what he, what he can do, what he can't do, when he can be brought in, when he can't be brought in. And I think, I mean, this is... If, if, if I'm going off, off uh, subject, let me know, right? But in, in the NFL, I think as soon as you bring the TMO in to rugby, mm. you undermine the, the referee completely, right? So the way they do it in the NFL, with American football, is they have a similar sort of a referral system, but the referee, the referee gets to see on the side of the field that what happened, and then he makes the call. It's not the TMO's call. Mm. So the referee would get to see it, and then he can say, okay, well, I'll change my... He's still the boss on the field. At the moment, you've got the referee's the boss on the field, but the TMO's his boss sort of thing. It's just, it, I, I don't know. It seems like a bit of a pig's ear at the moment. It's also a complete thing. sort of joy destroyer, because as soon as you, you kind of think, oh, that was great, and then you hear those, those horrible two words, check, check. Check, oh, no. What a lot of bollocks. I mean, yeah, if you need to do it, do it. But it seems to be every single try now. It can be absolutely cut and dry try. And you'll just want to you just want to check it, you know. Well, Dragon scored an absolute try or no try. And Dragon's try. What's happened is, and I've ranted about this many a time on here, is that it just, all it does is completely under, it means the referees don't do their job. Because they think, well, I can just let that go on that and I'll just check everything if they score. It's like, well, no, exactly. do your fucking job. Yeah, you know you can't go back three phases. You can't go back two phases. No, do your job. But the dragons one was a particularly despicable one because it was a wonderful try from the dragons. They worked it right, the big cross kick, and it went in, and it looked like it was kind of one blade possibly. What I mean is the try should have been given, and then they should have been. Can't give that the attacking team. Well, there was no clear reason. Is there a clear reason not to give it? And the answer was no. There wasn't, as far as I could see. It might possibly have been in touch. We'd have to really, really fucking look to find out that it was. Well, that's what I mean. I, I, I don't think that's what it's for. I don't, I don't think people in the stadium want to see that. The neutrals certainly don't want to see it. You know, if that was my team getting scored against, I, I, I'd want the TMO to say, yeah, he was using touch, obviously. But I mean... And nobody likes the grass, do they, Mike? No one likes the grass. And that's they've institutionalised the grass, basically, in the TMO. No, they should have, they should have no name, should they, the referee? They should be nameless. <laughs> Just go on with a mask on there. Fucking... And looking at the Dragons, it looks like their entire season, if they don't shape up, will be based on Henson's doing, fuck it, I'll do it myself to kick the ball through the posts. Because I think every... Should every... get a Welsh cap, do you think? Do you think that can happen? It, well, I wouldn't rule anything out, but I can't see it. I can't... Reece Priestland's playing very well again at Bath. Yeah, he's playing well. Uh, I like Reece Priestland. It's probably only think... a matter of time before he mentally disintegrates, but he's playing quite well for now. <laughs> when Henson came on the scene, though, he was an absolute breath of fresh air. I was a huge fan of his when he first came on. And there was that big tackle of the England game. I think it was was it Tate that he absolutely drilled Matthew twice. Tate, yeah, and made, yeah. Made it look like a schoolboy, and then well, he virtually you know, was huge at the time. Pick. <laughs> Tate, I What's think that? Tate was Tate was a schoolboy at the time, pretty much. He was eighteen. Like, he must have won my team, wasn't he? Yeah. But, that was Andy Robinson's big plan. The um, so the, yeah, the thing about a lot of the stuff's made about. We haven't talked about Big Gav much in here. There's a, there's a lot made about Gav in that. Yes, he's, he is borderline ridiculous, isn't he? He's a lad from Penko. He's, he's, you know, he's yeah. got stupid hair. He's he's he's, he's a colour of a Ron Seal clog, and basically, <laughs> then he's. But and, there's and, a fellow that's so mismanaged. You've been so poorly looked after. I think you know because he is he is a bit of a a nuisance when he has a drink. He's he's a bit more of a nuisance. But I mean, he's got undoubted potential. And, uh, as a young as a young man, tons of potential, and, and still got loads of ability. You know, I just think if that had been if that had been football, you would have been handled better, and they'd have got more out of him. You know, I just think you've got someone like Henson 
you know, when he's getting all the piss and hitting his own teammates and causing trouble and doing all that sort of, how, how does that happen? Do you know, why is that? I don't know. Yeah, I and think, I know, I I think know he, people he's... say he's an adult, he's got, he's got, a, you know, he's, and that's all true, obviously. But I mean, obviously, the fellas, he blows hot and cold, um, the top two inches, you know, without going into too much detail. Do you know what I mean? But I mean, fantastic talent of a rugby player whose mind wasn't where it should be all the time, I don't think, and just got poorly handled, I think. I think he should have been given, I've always said, I think he should have been given responsibility earlier. I think, because he well, could that's... just behave like a cock. I think he would have said, look, make him captain of his club at 22 or something. I think that might have changed something, or something, I, I, I don't know. Show. I think that's a great show. I'll go back to the, Amer- the American football again. The old Joe Namath was the, was the sort of George Best of the 60s in, in the NFL. Yeah. And they yeah. said that exact thing with him. When he came in, as a superb talent, a quarterback. But it was an absolute nuisance, you know, womanising mm. and drinking and gambling and doing everything else. So they made him captain, second season there, and it just changed him completely. So I think that's a good shout, Lee. Yeah, and they made him captain at and, and Henson, Henson basically, right. he, he created the modern centre defensive structure, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, because he was just just the shape on the man when he came into the game, you know. Mm. He, he was big, athletic. He was great tackler. Had lovely hair, didn't he? Beautiful hair, bronze. See, I was doing all that stuff. I, I was ahead of my time. I was shaving my legs and wearing fake tan when he was in when he was in short trousers. What were you doing it to do though? I was, I was doing that stuff. What's that? Well, so what were you shaving? You when you were shaving your legs, what were you doing it for? What activity were you well, taking I part? I just, I just, I just like shaving my legs. I just shave everything. <laughs> to shave all my bits. Hairless, completely totally hairless. Hairless, yeah, totally hairless. <laughs> Loads of fake tan. I used to like to paint my toenails and stuff. It was all good. Oh, you were well and, ahead of Haskell then, on that score, were you? What's that? Well ahead of Haskell on that score with the old toenail painting. Oh, well ahead of it. 20 years ahead of it. You know, and I wasn't a fan either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, you did say on Twitter that he blocked you, so I knew that we would probably do okay because you're blocked by him as well. He's the only person to ever block me on Twitter, Haskell, yeah. That's my claim to fame. Is it? Oh, I've been blocked by loads of people. Welcome to the club. Yeah. But it's only like him and Austin Healy and the like. But uh, yeah. So did well. That's the one thing I learned. But yeah, I, I've had a pop of Healy a couple of times, but he, you know, I've been, I've, I wouldn't say I was a troll, but I mean, I've I've uh, I've disagreed with Austin Healy online, but uh, he, he's all these comebacks are always pretty good, to be fair. And the thing is, he disagrees with everybody anyway. That's why I always get annoyed when Healy blocks when Healy thing, blocks it's you. It's like shit. that's bang on. You're an awkward twat as well. So why are you blocking me for being one? But there you go. Yeah. What else did I learn from the weekend? I blocked you. Okay. What was that, mate? I blocked you. Don't take that personally. Oh no, yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, after this week's over, we can never. We don't have to. We don't have to interface again on any level. Don't worry about it. Um, the All Blacks have a bloke in their dressing room giving out hand cream. I noticed that at the weekend. At half time. Really? At half time, there was a bloke stood in the corner with with some kind of like tube, and people mm-hmm. kept walking up to him, and he kept squirting stuff into their into their hands. Was it like um, they used to use that? We used to use like stuff like Stickham. Like a, it, like a, I was like thinking like Stickham. It was that cornerback for the Raiders who covered himself in Stickham before they outlawed it. What else did we learn from the weekend? Uh, Glacial Grieg, Greg Laidlaw, has already mm. ruined Claremont because they lost by fifty points at the weekend. Was like, he? Yeah, but well, do you know the story about Greg, about Greg? He's gone to Claremont. No, He's gone to Claremont yeah. on something like £450,000 a year. So basically, his, his agent is obviously the most talented person 
in the world. He's David yeah, Blaine sorry. or something, his agent, basically. So he's taken his particular brand of slow, monotonous glacial play to Claremont, and already it's... Uh, half a million a year. Yeah. Holy moly. It's nice. all, so, he, yeah, he's gone to Claremont, and he's... I mean, he's even slower now because of all the gold bullion he's got on his shorts because of that fucking massive <laughs> contract that he's got. That agent must be worth his weight in gold. I'd love to. He's, yeah, he's he's a hypnotist or something. He knows what he is. A man, like, he's one of the, is he a man in black? Has he got that thing that makes everyone forget? It's amazing. It's like having Darren Brown for you for your agent. Just goes in there and tells someone you're worth half a million a year. Just get paid. <laughs> yeah, this is the half a million a year you're looking for, Jedi. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so that's what, that's what happened. What else did we learn? Um, how... Map Tamura at Leicester, Australian mm. centre, and who everybody, including myself, says is an amazing player. He came over, did all right, got injured. He's now back fit again. He was playing at the weekend versus Northampton. How bad must it be for Matt Tamua when you're outplayed by Luther Burrell? Yeah, it wasn't. He didn't, didn't cover himself in glory there, did he, really? No, not at all. I, um, I wonder why. There's, there's been a few sort of um, Aussie boys that have come over. And Southern Hemisphere people that, that haven't lived, lived up to expectations, I think, have they? Do you think? Um, yes. Well, it's when they come over, isn't it? The ones yeah, who do, the ones who, come, yeah. the ones who've done really well tend to be not that high profile. People like, I mean, Pat Howard played for Australia, but he wasn't a, a ridiculous world beater. He did brilliantly yeah. at Leicester. Michael Liner came over the dog end of his career when Saracens yeah. couldn't win a fucking thing. Well, Zabby Rush, I know he's New Zealand, but he came over to uh, to Cardiff when he was, you know. And he'd been he'd been a, a a good you know a good player, but not not mm. I would say he was one of the best players over there. But he was a fantastic servant for the club. What he did for the club was fun, you know, working with the young players, working working with with the Cardiff boys. He was good value for money, but I think a lot of people come over for a payday, and they just doesn't doesn't really doesn't really work out. Yeah, they, and there's an, always an assumption I think with with down under that they always assume that when somebody goes up north, as in mm. the northern hemisphere, that they're never going to get any better. People always sort of said when Ricky Flutie got picked for England and everyone sort of said, oh, well, you know, he couldn't even get into the whatever province he played for team. It's like, yeah, but it is possible. He might have come over here and got better. It's a classic example of, of the kind of mentality. Though, and it? I actually well, think, I think, I think Flutie, you, everybody, including me as an English person, can piss themselves laughing about England in the late 2000s. And there's yeah. plenty to laugh about. But Flutie was actually a decent player. Yeah. Yeah. So what else did we learn? Speaking of Leicester, Johnny May is Leicester's best player. And I can't work out whether that's an indication of how shit Leicester are or how somehow good Johnny May has become. I don't... The thing with Leicester, right, when I was... You go back sort of when rugby first sort of went open and, and, and before that as well, that was always such a strong team. That sort of East Midlands rugby was where it was yeah. at, wasn't it? Your North Nancy, your Leicester, those people. And the, in, the, in the last sort of, I suppose, five or ten years, that rugby in the southeast. Just, just the support that it's getting. Like you watch when they're filling, when they're putting seventy thousand bums on seats for club matches. Yeah, you know that, that was always the East Midlands was always seen as the heartland of rugby union. And I think that really has shifted. I think that's shifted in the last five ten years to being almost like a London game. You know, you, you, you think you got you got the Saris and you got your Harlequins, you got you got those sort of teams. Yeah, getting a fantastic support base. You know, really uh, uh, luring, luring some of the best players in the world on there to play. Um, it's also. Yeah, so I think Leicester are certainly not the team they were. They, they were. They were. You know, the, the, them and them and like I said, Northampton. They were. The, they were always seemed to be the two teams that were. That were 
and Never Leicester, at the top of the table all the time, you know. And your point before about losing managers, Leicester went from being one of the most solid clubs in the whole game to losing two uh, coaches last year, which just doesn't happen. Losing one and coach mid-season that just doesn't, doesn't happen. You know, losing two is just even more ridiculous. But I think that point you make about London is an interesting one because I think it reflects the nature of the fandom down there in that it's probably a, not everyone, but you're not going to fill 70,000 seats unless you've got corporate jolly types. Oh, work-related totally, yeah. stuff, you know, and, and and that's not, I'm not denigrating. Well, I am a bit, but that's that that that's the way it is, you know. It is, and it's it's an event thing, and it, it you know, like it or not, speaking of somebody who comes from a rugby league town, and I'm not chippy about this, but it is in England, rugby union is the game of the elite, powerful people like the game. Yeah, you know, and it just that's the that's, that's just a fact. Watch, when I was like, I, I taught him, I lived in Bath for about five years when I was teaching PE. You know, and it, it was weird to be in, in a part of England where rugby was like the comprehensive school sport, you know, because I taught at a comprehensive yeah. school there and we had a good rugby side, you know. But um, growing up as a Welsh boy in, in Cardiff and Barry in South Wales, you know, rugby was the game that everybody played. It wasn't, you know, football's always been huge in Wales as well. There's there's, a, there's this myth that, you know, rugby is the national sport. I suppose it is sort of culturally, but there's a lot more people playing football. Absolutely. But rugby, but rugby was... And it always has been a working class sport, you know. There was there was no distinction between you were you were your doctors and your lawyers and your, and your and your university students. You were your you know your welders and your, and your bricklayers and your. Well, they all played together, players. didn't they? Because if, if you, there's a book, The Oval World, which I recommend anybody reads out there, should you wish to, is a, it goes through the history of rugby in each um, country. And the point they make is that basically in England in the late Victorian period, they they were obsessed with this amateurism. So they drove all payments. That's why Rugby League was created and all that. I'm not yeah. going into all that. But in Wales, they just quietly accepted that just let them keep paying. The WRU just kind of went, you know what? They don't fuck, I can't be arsed. So Wales became the most powerful international team from like 1905 onwards because they were still just paying. England basically knacked themselves in the pursuit of amateurism. Yeah. So all the best players just went and played Rugby League or what became Rugby, rugby League in the North. Dickie Lockwood and people like that, who were one of the best players ever, ended yeah. up ended up playing rugby league, and they knacked well, their international team. It was a thing team. in Wales where, where it was never seen as, as um, even when, when players went up, at, sort of, I'm talking about the 60s and 70s, when they went up north in a very common sort of trials, you know, they, they, under under assumed names and whatever, people, people in, the, in the clubs in Wales knew what they'd done, hmm. and they knew where they were going, they knew what, what, they, what they were going there for. But when they came back to Wales, there was never that stigma that there is that there was maybe a lot of the English clubs. You know, it was it was it was just seen as if, if you're a working class lad and you've got a chance to make eighty grand, sign an on fee, go and play for Witness or play for somebody else, then you'd be a fool not to do that. You know, there was it was never seen as a dirty thing to get paid amongst the people that I knew anyway, certainly. You know, I'm no, not sure was... that I'm sure that there, that there were people in the WRU who, who who hated it and people like Gareth Edwards got treated very, very poorly um, after he retired from rugby, which is ridiculous because of the stupid amateurism stuff. Hmm. But it, it, it was never seen as a, it was never seen as copping out in Wales to try and to make a living out of the game. Because if if you're not born into money, if you're not born into privilege, then you know rugby was was a way to feed your family. Yeah, Wales basically took a much more pragmatic approach to it. It wasn't a principle based obs- Victorian obsession with amateurs, and they just went, well, okay, we'll just. I know it's against the rules, but we just won't look cl- closely enough. And, and I remember, I remember playing in the amateur era for. I'm not going to say the name of the club in Wales. But we were told that we'd get paid weekly, you know, after you played a game. Yeah. I'd say, listen, your your job is to is to suggest somebody this. If you ever get asked by anybody, you know, 
you've got to justify your expenses. But it, we knew that we, we were getting paid to play rugby. Yeah. But just the way it was done. I think the, the, the thing that pissed people off about the English model as well is that people did get jobs, you know. And, yeah. of, and obviously the union made a fuckload of money. Well, this is the only awesome thing. You know, I mean, the, the English that, the players playing for England in the, in the early 90s couldn't get any money, and yet they had fucking Selnet emblazoned across the shirt they were playing in because somebody oh, was making some money, weren't they? Well, you talk to people who, who went on tours with, with uh, friends of mine you know, from Wales in the, in the 70s, even when they were one of the best teams in the world. And they were, you know, two players to a room flying economy class. And the committee are flying first class and, and, <laughs> and they got a room each. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous. It's, a, it's one of the biggest reasons why Northern Ireland and the Republic in football won't ever merge because too many people with blazers will lose their seats in first class. It's not to do with politics, really. It's to do with sure. the fact that, you know, why would you vote not to be a member of a board? Anyway, we went off on a complete one there. Right? Anyway. Well, that went, that went quite serious. Powers the people. Yeah. <laughs> we want rugby for the many, not the few. Yeah. So. The Welsh boy in the northern Come Yeah, on. no, yeah. I live in North Wales now. I'm actually in Wales, but uh. Oh, good man. Well, well, thank you very much. I wasn't expecting that from a South Wales well, person, but uh. Well, I'm just saying you 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 you're putting up with it. Well, <laughs> well done, you. I I live in Flint, which has been the centre of a Welsh nationalist argument these past few weeks. Oh, it has. With the old iron ring and all that. Look it up, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what I'm talking about. Now then, let's uh, move on to the Rugby Pick and Mix, which is where we asked people to go. You can go to the web uh, page on the website, which is bloodandwood.com slash rugbypickmix, and you can. I ask you there to create your perfect player. Now, it can be a good player, a bad player. It can be any kind of player, really, um, by having different bits of different players made into one. This might sound complicated, Mike. I am sorry, but it'll become quite, it, it'll become quite clear when... When, when I start going into Identity it. Identity kit rugby player, basically. Basically, yeah. So I asked people to pick the brain of, hands of, tackling of, personality of, and fighting ability of to oh, make this is great, man. the player that they want. So, for example, Alistair Fife got in touch and he simply described this player as a nasty bastard with massive hands to bring a little visual comedic relief to their thuggery. So, brain of Dylan Hartley. Oh, fucking hell. Hand, hands of Will Skelton. Not the passing ability, he means actual massive hands. Yeah, hands, from, yeah. Uh, tackling of Callum Clark, the world-famous mm. shithouse. Uh, pers- personality of Dellen Armitage. Oh, dear. And the fighting ability of Backy's Boater. Oh, no, come on, yeah. I mean, he, he, he could bang, fair play. I mean, that, that, that would be mayhem around I'd that I'd go play. with Backy's Boater. Yeah, so... I'm trying to think what I'd do for that. Bloody hell, do, do we get a choice to say about this as well? Do we you can a... think about one and have a go. I don't think about it. I'll let the people do it. Any work they can do instead of me. I'm, we got I'm any more there? We got yeah, more? we have. I've got loads. I've got, I've got a week's worth here. I've got to pick up... Luke Clark got in touch. He said he shit... This player is... It, to the point, Luke, I like this. He's shit, he's thick, and he's a bell end. is basically how he describes this player. Still Hartley again. But he still won 20 caps for England under Martin Johnson, John Wells or Brian Smith in the late 2000s. So, brain of Billy Twelve Trees. Yeah. The curly-haired creative colossi of the West Country. Yeah, yeah. Um, hands of Joe Marler. Right. Tackling of Charlie El Matador Hodgson. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Personality of Dellen Armitage again. This comes again, up quite a lot. featuring heavily, isn't he? And uh, fighting ability of Chris Ashton. No, Chris Ashton? You've got to be shitting me, haven't you? No, that's what I mean. See, people sometimes use it to create the shittiest player or stupidest oh, player they can okay. think of. Oh, that's terrible. Most people who... I set this up to say, create the best player, and everyone basically created something ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a terrible one. So 12 Trees, Marler, Charlie Hodgson, Dylan Armitage, and Chris Ashton. Ed Campbell took a, a, a Scottish uh, twist. He, he's created 
the prime of the mid 2000s Scottish bang average players he's created. Oh, let's have a listen to this then. Brain of, you like this, Cardiff? Brain of Dan Parks. Nice. Hands of Nick DeLuca. Ooh. Tackling of Ewan Murray. Mm. Personality of Alan Jacobson. Angry prop. Fighting ability of Nathan Hines. See, that's very niche, that, isn't it? That is very niche, but as, as, as a collective Scottish club, that's probably the best you could get from mid-2000 Scottish. Do you remember when Cardiff signed Dan Parks after he was good for about three weeks? And he yeah. immediately became very bad again the minute he got into yeah. the Cardiff year. Yeah, they, they had a real good track record of doing that for a long time, Cardiff, as well. <laughs> players. It was like, like what's his name? Um, Nigel Clough used to say about when he went to Liverpool, and it was under Sunes. Yeah. And he said, I came in there as, as like a, an England international. And he left. I think he ended up playing for Tranmere, so I can't remember what it was. But you know, yeah, Cardiff would bring in good players and turn them mediocre within, within days sometimes, not just even weeks. See, I Mendes. Remember Mendes when he knocked Ak for that? Federico Mendes, yes. Psycho. You know, I mean, yeah, brilliant. Hands like hands like rocks. They've got a new psycho in Argentina now, uh, Lavanini, the second rower. He's an oh, absolute God. psychopath. Great Did player, you... big, massive beast, but a psycho. I'd have hands of uh, Rob Baxter, Exeter coach. Once I was, I was, I was working for Exeter Rugby Club fifteen years ago when he was the, when he was captain in the second row. Hmm. Just a, it's a big fit man, Rob Baxter. A machine. What a, what a specimen. I mean, pro- proper farming stock, you know. My mate was at West Hartlepool with Rob Wainwright. Remember Rob, Rob Wainwright? Yeah. Got it. He said he was unbelievable. There's just just a physical the one, specimen. The one Welsh prop was it John Williams? I can't think who it was now. But he was a sheep farmer from Neath. Right. And so he would spend the day sort of throwing sheep, you know, one sheep in each hand into the, into the back of trucks and stuff. Who was that psych- he was that psychotic prop he played for Neath? Was he a prop? Kevin Kevin Phillips, was he? Kevin Phillips, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. He was a psycho as well, wasn't he? Yeah, there was a few down there. Do you remember Mark Perigo was a flanker? I remember Mark Perigo. He was in the um, that Wales team that beat England when Ronnie Wonderd went to sleep. That's right. Well, Perigo was a firefighter at the time. The rugby was still amateur. But they showed him his training regime. They showed on rugby special once, or maybe the Welsh version of it. And he would just run through the woods, carry an axe, and then he'd occasionally oh, just stop and this. Tree down. Yeah, because wasn't he, wasn't he English by birth, Perigo? He, he kind of was a bit posh-sounding, wasn't he? He was like Sylvester Stallone. He was like Rocky but, uh, <laughs> as a rugby player. What a firefighter. Yeah, Mark Perigo. I remember that. Who was, who was that back row? It was him. Emil Lewis. I can't remember the one. Emil Lewis was eight, yeah. Perigo and who was the other one? Um, Emil Lewis was the Welsh's in Zambrook. He drop kicked he it. Could I drop was there kick, when he drop kicked Wonderful it. hands, everything. He was great, Emil Lewis. Yeah, he was a good player. So, yeah, so that was what we've got here. We're picking mates. Uh, oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, Mike Carpathios got in touch. He said, I thought about how I could make James Haskell even more annoying. Oh, how? How could you? And that was my, So he's got brain of James Haskell. Tackling of James Haskell, personality of James Haskell, <laughs> fighting ability of James Haskell, but he's got the hands of Marowitoji because oh, of his because of his never ending clapping. Have you noticed that that's what the Toji does now? Dear, dear, Even dear. when like a, somebody drops the an opposition player drops the ball, he claps like hell. And I hate that. It's like people waving imaginary cards at referees. I'm oh, that's just, just like slap. It's just ridiculous. They should just be red carded immediately for asking. Delario went through a phase of that towards the end of his career. You know, he was always waving that. Imaginary yellow card or refs at rucks. I thought, mate, you don't need to do that. What are you doing? So that was rugby picking. Acast recommends podcasts we love. Changemakers is a new podcast series with me, Claire McKenna. 
talking to people who stand up, speak out or challenge us to think a little differently. It's about the greater good, families and children, respecting their own individuality. In the next couple of years, like I hope I never have to have conversations about racism ever again. Like, I just want to get to the stage where, you know, people are just people. Nobody's pooling the resources together and actually being able to show how much of an impact it will make when people do come together. Changemakers with Claire McKenna. Search for it now wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the world's best podcasts, including the David McWilliams podcast, I'm Grandmam, and the one you're listening to right now. Mix. Here's a story for you. Here we go. Do you know Carl Ferns, back, yes. back rower, who's now at Lyon? And now in the summer, in the summer he was meant to come to Gloucester. It was all on, he was signed on the dotted line and ready to go. What a back row that would have been, by the way, because that would have been him, Ross Moriarty, and Ruin Ackerman. I love Moriarty. We love Moriarty on this pod more than it's possible or, or decent, really, to yeah. love a person. Great player. Absolutely amazing. And, hey, what, an, uh, what a line he comes from, by the way, if you want to talk about getting involved in some wrong. fighting. You're not wrong. So he was meant to go to Gloucester, um, but he reneged on this and stayed in Leon. And there was loads of chat. It was because he'd been told he won't play for England again by Eddie Jones. But, and he says, well, he says he's going to play for France. He said he's going to play for France, which he can't do because he's played England in 21. It's all nonsense. So, but it's because he had to make it up because I know what the real story is, you see. Carl Ferns, ever since he was a small child and he used to get the bus to Southport to the Pleasure Island, is absolutely (laughs) obsessed with ghost trains. Is that right? He can't get enough of ghost trains. And at every club he goes to, he creates his own ghost train at the training ground and he charges players in the squad 20p to go on it. The trouble is, he's not the most imaginative bloke in the world, so his ghost train consists of putting some horror movie posters up in the physio room. Yeah. So like Nightmare on Elm Street, Scream, that one where people's heads explode. What was that one? Scanners? Hellraiser, Scanners. Scanners, Hellraiser as well. All the classics. He puts all them on the wall. Um, He then gets the players puts a scrum hat on them the wrong way around so you can only mm. see little bits of things. Put, puts them on an action man tank and pushes them into the physio room. Shuts the door so they can't get out. Turns the light on off and, off and on repeatedly, strobing effect. Yeah. And while he's at Leon, he's got Freddie Michelak stood on the treatment table with a toy scythe going to try and frighten him. And he's also got Lionel Boxies behind the storage cabinet throwing potatoes at him. Thanks, French, isn't he? Yeah, so this lasts for about three minutes. Light going off and on, by like potatoes bouncing off your head. And at the end, he gives them a glass of water on the way out. That's what you get for 20p. He See, loves... I'm, I'm from Barry in South Wales. That, that, that would be the best ride in the fairground. <laughs> you would on Barry Island, wouldn't it? You're right, yeah. So he's loved this, and he insists on doing it, and he insists on all of his teammates doing it. So one of the main reasons, apparently, one of the main reasons he left Bath when Sam Burgess was there was because Sam refused point blank to go on his ghost train. Point blank when he was at Bath. Fern says to Mike Ford, yeah, Fern says to Mike Ford, listen, it's him or me. He goes on this, he's he's scouting it, Fern. Listen, it's him or me, mate. He goes on my fucking ghost train or I'm out. Ford says, well, what about if I go on ghost train for him? Because he's from... Yeah, yeah, thank you. And and Fern says, and Fern won't have that. He's not have that. So off he fucks the Leon. So... All of this gets... Do the, do the scouts again. <laughs> you know, well, yeah, he has to go on my ghost train, mate, or I'm fucking leaving. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so he's, um, all of this gets played out in his moves to Gloucester, you see, because they think it's all sorted. 
Mm. Ferns gets in touch and says, I'm sorry, but there's been an oversight. My contract has to allow for me to have a ghost train related activities and for all the players to actually go on my ghost train. Yeah. Gloucester say, well, all right, we'll see what we can do, Carl. Carl then rings Eddie Jones and says, hey, mate, I'm coming back to England, right? Um, and I'm gonna wanna, I want to be an England team. And, and, then he, and then he bangs on and on and on and on about the fucking ghost train again. Eddie Jones, well, you can imagine how Eddie Jones reacts to this, can't you? You can imagine what Eddie Jones thinks of this. So then, Eddie Jones says, fuck off, mate. There's no way you're playing for England. Gloucester he end up... He smiled when he said it, though. He'd smile when as he was saying Eddie Jones, wouldn't he? He would have been, was... yeah. He, he would have been smiling, saying, yeah. you're a disgrace, and I want fuck all to do with you. Yeah. So then, it all falls through. Gloucester can't do anything about it, because there's no way that the likes of Billy Twelve Trees are going on that ghost train. He'd be scared shitless, bless him. Oh, what? Well. So he has to. So Ferns then has to spin this whole story about how Eddie Jones won't let him play for England. He has to play for France now, when really it was all his unreasonable ghost train related demands that have led him into this into this thing, and he has to stay in France now. I think they're trying to compromise, like a wacky gold mine or something. They do something in the car park or something. You would think so, wouldn't you? You'd find a way to keep them there, wouldn't you? Maybe they could say, That's "Well, fun. look, you can do it in your in your club in the house the club gives you." Yeah, that'd be perfect. But he's he's fairly apparently he's he's quite militant about it. They are scousers, well, though, aren't they? You've got to stand up what you stand for, though, haven't you? You've got to stand up what you stand for. You know? Fair play to him. More power to his elbow. <laughs> yes. So there you go. The truth about Carl Ferns is falling through. It's not that sort of thing. People stand up by their guns. But it's not yet. And especially when it comes to ghost trains, it's one of the greatest problems in the in Brexit England that people aren't willing to stand up for ghost trains enough. He'll have, he'll have the last laugh there. He will have the last laugh. Let's play Would You Rather. Come on. Would you rather... Be Steve Hansen's court jester charged with making him laugh, or French coach's Guino, French coach Guinoves personal stylist. Oh, good one. I don't think I don't. I don't I'm not sure Hansen's ever laughed, is he? Well, yes, I don't think so. Problem. That's why you know it'd be when you think about oh, taking this job on. Think exactly. deeply. Um, I I try to crack Hansen. Right? You think you try to crack, yeah. crack Hansen? You think you yeah, do it. You're, a, you're a professional. You must I'd have some few tricks with you. I reckon he's in a, a bit of slapstick. <laughs> I, I get my cock and balls out when he. I think I. I think he'd smile. <laughs> is that all it takes for slapstick? Is it? <laughs> just, well, that's, well, who I don't remember, to say though. I, I don't remember the Keystone Cops just getting the cock and balls out. But well, well, that's I, why they died of death, wasn't it? Well, yeah, no wonder. That's why Harold Lloyd, Lloyd stopped. He just refused, he wouldn't do it, and the studios didn't want to know. The BBC wouldn't let him do it on Last of the Summer Wine. That's why that got cancelled. Exactly. Bill Pert, we said, I'm not doing it. They said, fuck you, then. <laughs> Get someone else in. Um, yeah, well, would yeah, you... So handsome, definitely. Cock and balls, that'll make him smile. I can see that. I don't understand about that. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Guy knows would be very uh, compliant with the personal style. That's strange. You, you got your cock and balls out there, you wouldn't bat an eye. <laughs> <laughs> um, he'd probably try and cook them. Yeah, so, um, exactly. For more lazy stereotypes, tune in next week. So, <laughs> so, so uh, would you rather... See Jim Mallander doing the Any Given Sunday's Inches speech. Oh, man, that's a wicked speech, that is. Imagine Jim Mallander doing it. Yeah, that wouldn't be as good. Or, or um, giant coat of befuddlement and Gloucester director of rugby, David Humphreys, doing the Tears in the Rain speech from the end of Blade Runner. Oh, good one. I love a bit of Philip K. Dick. Do you like a bit of Dick? <laughs> You're like, hey, I've, I've read, I haven't read much of his, I'll be honest. <laughs> I go for the Blade Runner. So David Humphreys and his Northern Irish brogue talking yeah, about tears in the rain and well, sea beams and all that stuff. It's quite dystopic, isn't it? It's obviously a dystopic vision of the future. Um, and the, I think the Northern Irish 
<laughs> Milt lends itself to that, doesn't it? Imagine a world with imagine a world with everyone had that accent. Be fucking horrific, wouldn't it? <laughs> One half of my family has that accent, so I've got some experience of it. So, um, and um, yeah, and imagine Jim, working like imagine working like for the Samaritans with a, with a Belfast accent. The see, suicide rate would go through the roof. Yeah, but a lot of call centres base themselves there, don't they? Because they do well, reckon it's like in South Wales. Everyone likes the South Wales accent, don't they? Yeah, because we sound a bit. We sound a bit thick. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. We do. I'm one of them. Well, yeah, well, it's better to make the it's customers feel superior because basically it's not threatening. You, you phone up someone in a Welsh call centre and you immediately feel like you're having a good day. <laughs> you do, you do. It's true. Vodafone, for example, you know, I think at about seven o'clock it switches to Bangalore. Before that, it's Belfast. Yeah. So you've got to time the call depending on who, depending on who it is you want to speak to. Five past seven, it is. It is, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so what else we got? Yeah, and what Jim Mound did in there a given Sunday inches speech. We want to That's gather... such a good speech though, isn't it? Yeah, but imagine we're going to gather up all those inches. Yeah. And make yeah, sure. Yeah, it ruin it, Who's it? gonna help me gather up imagine all these Jim inches? Telfer doing that, imagine Jim Telfer doing that speech. Oh imagine now, now you are talking. If, if that was a would you rather it'd be all over because in fact imagine Jim Telfer doing any speech. I know. You'd go to the wireframe, wouldn't you? You really would. Unbelievable. That was Would You Rather. So have we got, to finish now, we will do, where are we up to? Not too bad. We will do the shit good ratings. I've been looking at these on Twitter, some good ones. Yeah, I've got one first, the, and, and that was also picked up on Twitter. The sale line out. In fact, that, that sale game on Friday mm. felt what I imagine spiritual rhumatoid arthritis feels like. I've only saw the highlights, the very brief highlights of that it game. Was it was absolutely... Awful. It was yeah. like shitting concrete. It was awful. Yeah. But the sale lineup in particular was very bad. It was very shit. The sale lineup. It was like eight men p- trying to escape Carl Ferns's ghost train. <laughs> it's inexcusable of a bad lineup, isn't it? In this day and age, my... completely inexcusable. Yeah. Good mate of my Nathan Budget, other caps of Wales, played for Bristol. He, he was sort of captain. He was always called the lineup. My mate and... played with him at Uick, I think. Yeah, well, I played in the same team in Uick with him. Um, good lad, Nathan. But, but, but I remember him saying to me that. They they obsess about that in English clubs. But when he went went from the Celtic Warriors over to Bristol, they would obsess about. They would do forty five minutes of, of lineup practice. You know, just well, he just saw it as a, rest, a way to restart the game, which is what which is what it is and where it should be. Yeah. But um, how can you how can you not? You know, if you're the hooker, just throw it properly, and if you're the lifter, just lift it properly, and if you're the catcher, just be in the right place. I mean, it's not hard to do. No, you should be hitting. Yeah, it should be the exception not to do. If it's it. less than ninety-five percent success rate, you're doing something badly wrong. What made me laugh was when they <laughs> they cut to Steve Diamond on the touchline because those ridiculous halfway through the half interviews you do, which are absolutely I think those. fucking a appalling. Crap, that is. Yeah, well, as usual. But then Steve Diamond's the exception to every single rule, isn't he? So they went to him and he said, what, "What's going wrong with the lineup?" Then Steve, he said, "It's the player, and I'll be taking <laughs> him off." And he said, "And I'll be taking him off if he doesn't get the next two right." <laughs> <laughs> he broadcast that on live telly. Good for you, mate. Good. That's their job. And he said, don't you think that maybe you can't just blame the place? Well, we've never had these problems before. <laughs> bus driver, you kept driving into the bus stop, right? Mowing people down. You're not going to blame the bus, are you, or the, bu- or the bus stop? Or the passengers. Fucking sack that driver, he's shit. Yeah. So, yeah. Get him uh, on the bus. He's a bloody liability. He's killed 24 people this morning. <laughs> and as, uh, as Ben Sweeney on Twitter put it, the sales lineouts were like both hookers were throwing like they had dildos for hands. Which is not subtle, but I, I've I like seen a film. it. I've sort of film star on those two gentlemen. 
It's called Edward Dildo Hands. What else is shit? We've covered this before, here, but I imagine you might have some feelings on this. Have you seen on Twitter? Do you spend a lot of time on Twitter when the rugby's on? Yeah, probably too much. I Me know too. I'm doing more Twitter than actually watching the game. I do, yeah. Have you seen the, 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 the new development? And again, another symbol of broken Brexit Britain, the, the try gif. The when, a t- a when a player scores oh, a try, fuck. they then show a, a gif of him kind of, like oh. in the football when they walk towards the camera to introduce themselves. It's yeah. that, but after a try. Yeah. And, I mean, they're a disgrace, but it's reached new lows. Coney got in touch on Twitter, Paul Jeffries, mm. showing us on it. was Adam Ash for Glasgow who walked forward and then did, is it the dab? The oh, dab. fuck that. He My boy the... son seven does that. That's fine when you're seven. <laughs> he did the dab. He actually kind of threw the ball away while dabbing. That's what we've got. This is this is what the game has come to. Jesus Christ! This is the same dickheads, right? This this is the same this is the same offshoot of rugby, where you got some penis in a stadium whose job is just to state the bleeding obvious after a try, right? And say and the fucking phrase make some noise. If someone said that to me in a, in a, in a broadcasting booth, make some noise. I'm fucking batter them, honestly, God. I don't know what I would do. Yeah, the 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 proliferation of the hype man. Or music, you know the same uh, uh, clubs will play the same piece of music when they score tries all the time. The moronic nature of that. Yeah, it's a disgrace. Oh God! Music yeah, before like, games. Special atmosphere. Piss off. What was the England Cardiff one when DJ Spoonie was on on Friday night? It's like this is England Wales mate in Cardiff. Make you some don't... noise! <laughs> Fuck you! The louder you scream, the faster the ride. And all of that. Your Cardiff Blues. Yes, mate. I know this. I fucking paid for the ticket. I know where I am, you clown. <laughs> or Ray Charles. I know a, exactly where I am. There's the same bloke with a voice that's slightly too high as well. I went to the Rugby League final. And he, he does them all. He was at the Rugby League final as well. Oh. First of all, it's Wigan Warriors against it's St. Like Helens. It's see the England game. And there's always that bloke who looks like he looks like he's, I don't know, I, I almost said something. <laughs> very, very unsavory. Then, right? He, he looks. He looks like a certain type of person. Yeah. <laughs> who dresses in the in the England in the white tux with with the yes, the top, yes, Mister England. He's literally called Mister England. He has his own Twitter account. Oh, I, I don't think I'd ever tire of kicking him. I think the desire to want to do that job should ban you from life from ever being able to do it. <laughs> it's one of those, isn't it? Dear, 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 dear. I mean, do you know what I mean? Is he has he got a family? Does he go home? <laughs> He just, yeah, he goes home and just... Um, I think he just lives in the car park. He just lives in the car park. They give him free digs for his camper van. Do all, they? All the top apps he can eat. And a big hose pipe for the exhaust. And a big... <laughs> <laughs> right then, what else have we got this shit from Twitter before we go even further down that dark road? Uh, <laughs> Reese not got in touch on Twitter and he said, shit, is the, fr- the Springbok physio who treated Kearney Oosthuizen's arm with a bag of ice. It turns out that Kearney had a broken arm. Well, I mean, he's doing his best, isn't he? You're a man of the 70s, mate. You must appreciate that. A bit of a cold, I bit of cold ice. I'm not bullshitting you. When I was 17, I broke my leg in two places, right? Broke my fib and my tib in two places. In Barry and in Bridge End. Boom! Yeah, Bro- go. <laughs> Playing rugby for Barry Boys Comprehensive School, my dad refused to believe me because he was an, he was an ex Barry captain, played played in the front row, and he kept saying, "If you'd broken your leg, you'd be in agony, mate." I said, "I am in agony, Dad." <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't. He didn't take me to hospital until the next afternoon. He took me in Sunday afternoon, like eighteen hours later, and they put me in a full cast. I was in a cast for two months, and my mother went ballistic with it because he, he proper old school. 
when and I was t- take, his one his one his one tip of the hat to, to my my injury was on the Saturday afternoon when I was in, in utter agony with my leg. He let me sit, sit on the recliner, which was his special chair to watch Grandstand. Of course, yeah. He, he let me sit on his recliner, and he put a bag of frozen peas on my broken leg. Now you see, in a way, that's both horrifying, and and I got a lot of respect for it as well. I'm 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 repelled and attracted equally. It's the way he kept saying you'd be in agony, mate. I said I'm in fucking agony. <laughs> I once played when I was playing down in Cardiff. Our hooker Jenks, he got he got actually his own player ran in in a, in a mall and clattered him on the side of the head. He played the rest of the game. Off we went out on the drink in Caroline Street later on, all pissed. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, he says, "Do you want something?" He said, "Just give us a sausage." So he got this sausage. And he went to bite it, and he was talking about it, and you know, blah, 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 blah. He bit the sausage, and then he pulled it out of his mouth, and we all stopped and looked at the sausage because not a single tooth mark was on it. <laughs> and we looked, and we were like, and he tried to bite it again, and nothing happened. And then, and then we said, okay, and he kind of held his... Long story short, he cracked his jaw. So oh, when he was, Jesus. And he hadn't noticed he'd just been on the piss and not trying to eat all night. He tried to bite the See? sausage, and it made no indent. And he had, up in Heath, Heath Hospital in Cardiff at 12 o'clock at night with a busted jaw. So that that physio, in my eyes, that physio's doing a stand-up job. <laughs> yeah, yeah nothing wrong with you, mate. Off you go. My dad kept saying, we have a trot on it. That was what he kept saying. Oh, yeah, run it off. Trot it off. <laughs> and the referee's going, is he off? Two seconds, ref, have a, have a trot on it. Try, try and run it off, will you? I've got bone cancer. Seriously, I can't run it off. <laughs> I can see the end of the bone, Dad. <laughs> Yeah, so they, so yeah, well, a lot of respect for him, but yeah, in this physio, I think, yeah, in some ways. Oh, it's rugby, man. Just play on. <laughs> what else did he say? Elliot F got in touch with us. He said, Danny Cipriani's tackle percentage. This was backed up by Lawrence Hooper, who pointed out that he made six tackles and missed seven. Oh, God. Sippers. Sippers. Oh, yeah, he was Sippers, yeah. He, he, did, he did do a lovely chip for their final try, but uh, yeah. Wasn't he seen Kelly Brook? A long time ago, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? So I, I, does he care if he missed tackles? Well, he's not seen her anymore. I, he's given oh, up on true. playing for England now, so I think he's he's not bothered anymore because he gets picked for Wales by Die Young every week anyway. Yeah. I've mentioned Die Young, so I've got to do the Die Young jingle. Come on. Because that's the rules. So yeah, Die Young, great player. Yeah, he Wants was. To play for Cardiff though, but then he's, he's done well since he's gone over the bridge. He has done well. He's next Wales manager possibly, but they won't be with Rob Howley just to just to continue the clinical they depression of the nature. They can't do it, Howley. Not Howley and his ice cream van. They can't do that. Yeah, the they man, won't do that. Surely. I've said this before, but I'll say it again. The man who constantly looks like he's just received a ransom note from the kidnappers who've got his wife. That's the constant look in Rob Howley's eyes. Yeah. If if, if wife is married to Stan Laurel. <laughs> dear, dear, dear. Yeah, so that was... What was that? Yeah, so... Imagine, this, imagine the team talk with him half-time. Oh, he's horrendous, I, isn't I remember he? when he took over first time, he took over as interim manager for, for Wales, when Gatland did the Lions the first time round. He came out before the Six Nations started, right? He came out with that deadpan expression he's always got, right? And said, well, the thing is, you know... We're not going to give up without a fight. I thought, don't give up. Don't give up at all. You haven't started yet, you prick. <laughs> it's, yeah, he has a strange version of what reality is. It reminds oh, you when Steve Borthwick was England captain, when he kept turning up after games going, I thought that was all right, basically. And you were like, you're either lying, blind or insane, <laughs> or a combination of all three. 
man. Yeah. Rob yeah, Rob Owley. So, what else we got? Shit from Twitter. Tom Jones got Tom Jones, not Tom Jones. Tom Jones, <laughs> Tom George got in touch. Great Welsh player. He is, yeah. Uh, shit, he yeah. said, over-the-top hysterical Gloucester fans who last week targeted world domination and this week hate everything about the club again. But I love that. I think that's great. I love that their fans are like that, that basically it goes to this is the best thing in the world ever to I hate everyone and everything and my life isn't worth living anymore. But they're still turning up, Steve. That's the last one. They don't know. They've paid their money. I love them. And they've got yeah, Ross Moriarty. Uh, what else have we got? Uh, uh, Oliver McGrath got in touch and said, shit, to the South African teams in the Pro 12. Oh, that, He what, says, yeah. I know they've been playing rugby for nine months with no respite. Yeah, fair point. But the fact is that after two games, they are below both of the Italian teams. And that should never happen. Oh, if you're below Zebra, what are you doing? Only the Dragons have flirted with being below Zebra at times. And Edinburgh, I think, at some point. But generally, you don't. that should never happen. Well, they lost to Scarlets, didn't they? They lost to... Well, the Irish teams beat them as well. That's what I think. Who are we talking about now? Zebra or the... Um, no, the, uh, the, the the Kings, I can't yeah, remember. Kings lost to Connacht to the weekend. Connacht, yeah. And um, Cheetahs lost that's to right. Munster comprehensively. Nine months without respite, but that's not strictly true, is it? I mean, you know, there's a squad system for a kickoff, so you, you haven't rest. You're not playing six days of the week. I think it'll be interesting to see what happens when they get home, when teams have got to go there and play them. I think that'll be... Yeah, that'll be you, a, you'll that'll be able be. to see... I always use the example, though, Jason Robinson paid for 17 solid months when he came over from Rugby League. Look at Jonathan Davis when he did the same thing. Then he went to Australia and got Man of Steel in Australia. In Canterbury, well. yeah. David. What a player. Did it non-stop. What a player that lad was. He's fucking stealing he's a living. Out. He's stealing a living now, like, but he's a... <laughs> what a player he was. My uh, favourite player. Great player, yeah. So yeah. that was shit. So, yeah, they're pretty shit. But, again, I've said, you know, what are you supposed to do with this league? It couldn't go on going the way it was going. Your point before about it should never have gone regional. Well, you know, that that bell that's, can't be unrung now, so that's the way it is. So what are you supposed to do? You couldn't just sit there hemorrhaging money and having nobody come through the gate. Something had to be done. So this is what they tried to do, and we'll see how it goes, I suppose. Like I said, I'm an NFL fan, right? I like the I like the idea of the conferences. I think I think on paper, when I read it, I thought, this is good. This is one of a, one of a conference system, one of a playoff, one of a, one of a final. This would be good. It would yeah. be meaningful. But it's just, I don't know what they're doing with it. You know, I don't know what they're doing with it. I think the conferences change every year. They're going to change the teams in the conferences every year and swap them around. Well, that's then don't have a conference system. What's the point of it? And, and if you can have a conference system, don't come conference A and conference B. It sounds like something like a you know management like meeting, like an actual conference, yeah. Sweden or something. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> conference A and conference B. Get her. Yes, it's bizarre. So interestingly, because who's who's top of these? Only two games in, but Munster top of conference A. Got it here, yeah. Scarlet's the top of conference B. Yeah, Lent Scarlet. Southern Kings bomb of B and and Toyota Cheetahs bomb of her. Hey, Toyota Cheetahs. That in fact that the top, I think it's the top three go through, don't they, into the playoffs? Is it? It might be. It might be four. Isn't it? I don't know. Oh, I can't fucking remember now. I think it, I think it's only three. I think what they what they need to do because cricket dropped a real bollock when they brought brought in all the different. Lengths of game with cricket, you just didn't know who was winning, what, where, and when. Suddenly, nothing meant, you know, no, no games meant anything. And I think rugby's going down that route, and they sort of thought, well, how, how can we make this a bit more relevant? You know what I mean? You don't want to get down the, to the stage where you play nine or ten months a year in about five different competitions, and no one knows what's going on. Yeah, well, they're talking about looking at Germany and America and all sorts, aren't they? Moving forward, there are no boundaries anymore. <sighs> Apart from the ones we put up around the country when in 2019, obviously, but. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Nigel Farage is commissioner of the Rugby, rugby Football League. <laughs> oh, God, can you imagine? That would oh. be the single most hateful thing for anybody who isn't... Well, for most of England and probably anybody who... Oh, can you imagine? Oh, I kind of want it to happen, apparently. Yeah. What did people say was good this weekend? Well, I've got a good one. Jamie Ritchie for Edinburgh. He's a young flanker. He had loads of turnovers at the weekend. Looks a talented lad. Edinburgh, Richard Cockrell at Edinburgh, as many people, thank you very much, have pointed out on Twitter, have said that they suddenly look like a very organised team. They do. All of a sudden. And has been seen by the fact that they're kind of, you know, they've played 2-1-2. Two, two. Oh, Glasgow doing? Oh, they... Glasgow played 2-1-2. Two, two. They absolutely they were... battered the Ospreys of the weekend. Uh, yeah, Josh is an Ospreys fan. He'll be glad he's not here because they were appalling. And also Wales Rugby's latest saviour in the 10 shirt, Sam Davis, mm. had a fucking terrible game. But my mate, my mate's the attack coach for the Ospreys, so he was very displeasured about that particular game. Yeah. Nobody can understand why Steve Tandy still got a job. Yeah. Well, the thing with, I mean, to be fair, I mean, I see Griff most days and he does the attack coach job for the Ospreys. Mm. It's kind of on a budget as well, though. I mean, that's the thing, you know. If they're going to bring in this conference system, which they've done, and to copy other other leagues like the National Football League, you know, then you need to look at proper salary caps and proper because this, I think the Ospreys are playing with a third of the budget of some of those teams. You just can't get a, you can't get the squad, you can't get the depth of position, you can't get the, the talent in there, you know. Mm. Maybe look at paying the teams if if all the teams have the same amount to spend on a, on, on their squads. And I think that brings us back to that discussion about do you you know would it be better to cut the teams and give them all an extra million quid than they'd be competitive yeah. with England then probably well not England but English teams not that they're completely uncompetitive you know what I mean yeah who else was good this weekend every now and again you get reminded that Argentina are probably the most entertaining game uh, country to watch in the world which they were against New Zealand on Saturday and also I sometimes forget and I don't know why and it's it's it's, it's cruel to forget just how magnificent Agustin Creevy is. They're captain and hooker. They've always had. They've always been great to watch. They've always had that flair as well. They've always had a big, tough pack of forwards, uncompromising big pack of forwards, old school almost forwards and backs with Argentina. There's none of this sort of fifty-man rugby. There was, you know, you had your forwards job was to intimidate people and beat people up and win scrums and and, and be bullish. And then you had backs who had great flair, good footwork. You know what I mean? Yeah, and then you've, so, what you've got now is just 15 people trying to throw offloads. And it's entertaining, but it's frustrating. It is. I, 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 the good old days when you, you weren't allowed to catch the ball if you were a forward. Yes. What are you <laughs> doing touching that fucking thing? Get back Give over there. Get back immediately. <laughs> Give it. Or when forwards turn up in the line, what the fuck are you doing stood there? All you're doing <laughs> is fucking it up for everybody. Get over there. Um, speaking of forwards turning up in the line, did you see Carl Sinclair's offload? No. For Harlequins. Oh, Good. unbelievable. He turned up in the sort of 13 channel, took the ball in front of him, and then one-handed behind his back for, on, oh, for the bloke he was running around. He's a prop. What Why else was come off? Yeah. What else was good this weekend? Dean Blackmore said good was Ellis Genge, who full-on, full-tilt smashed Dylan Hartley like a skittle. That was a lovely oh, run. Man. I... Anyone who smashes Dylan Hartley gets my sister on but two thumbs up. <laughs> He played well at the weekend, Dylan Hartley. Is a he's Tom... a good player. He's just a liability. He's a, he's a, he's, he is a good player. But when he's not biting people and gouging people... And it's been people a while since that happened. Come on now. That's oh, the captain of my on. nation, Mike. Come on. It's have been some a while. It's like saying, well, you know, Mengler are only experimenting in 1945. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't matter. It's happened, doesn't it? As long as, as long as, yeah, it's like Callum Clark, see? Once you've extended somebody's elbow, you're a shithouse for all eternity, mate. I'm sorry. We keep banging about Fred West, but, you know, he hasn't done it for years. <laughs> 
<laughs> he might have hung himself. That don't make any difference. Um, good was Ellis Gate. Yeah, we said that. Um, shit. He also said that shit was the entire Tigers line out and overall attack. I'm worried about Leicester. I'm really worried about them because normally they, they have this ability to drag themselves into the top four. But if it keeps going the way it's going, they look they look Actually, all I, over I, the place. What about a team? We, well, we, we mentioned it at the top there, but I mean that's a team that was built on a, on a solid pack of forwards and lineups and scrum. Yeah, a couple of years ago, they started getting pushed over the line, their own line in their own scrum, which was, well, it was like a kind of a second coming around. of Christ moment, really, but in reverse, if you know what I mean. Mm. Sort of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you with me? I might have gone a bit too far yeah. there, but it doesn't I matter. Mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, that's well, you mentioned Joseph Mengler, so I can mention Jesus. That's, that's, that's kind of the rule. That's fine. Uh, right, Stuart Page got in touch on Twitter. He said, Blood and Mud, this week's shit good. It was Treviso for being the only losing Pro 14 team not to concede four tries. I played against Treviso when I played for Uick years ago. I got knocked out. My only time I've ever been knocked out in a game was against Treviso. Was it? What position did you play, Mike? Like Dolph Lundgren's big brother. <laughs> what position did you play? I was back row. I played number six that game. And apparently, it, with great Italian style, he walked into the lineup. But I, 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 I came a clip earlier. We had, a, we had a lineup, and I was walking towards the lineup. I was one in from the back. We had a number eight behind me. My mate Matt Green was playing the eight. He said this, <laughs> this beast just walked up, moved Matt Green out of the way. Matt didn't think to tell me what this at the time. And just said in broken English, number six, your game is over. And then just punched me in the cheekbone from behind. And oh, me you out. number six, the war is over. <laughs> my mate. Which, great style, that, to, to, to call it and then do it. But with a certain panache. My mate Matt, who I mentioned was at West Hartlepool with Rob Wainwright, he made his premiership debut, as it was then, off the bench against Leicester. And he was mm. a hooker. And he came on and he was very mouthy, my mate. And he was a very good player, played for England Colts and everything. And he came on and it was Darren Garforth was playing. Mm. And my mate was giving it the full blah, 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 blah. The next thing he knew, he was on the floor because Darren Garth in a line-out had just reached over and smacked him and sparked Imagine. him out. Basically, you know, you're 19, you're talking shite, you're going to get dropped, basically. We had, a, we had a night out one day playing for college. and We had like five internationals in the team. But Geraint Lewis, who ended up playing number eight for Wales, was our number eight. Remember Geraint uh, Lewis? Yeah, we were out on the, on the piss on the Wednesday after, after a game. The man with the and head so that couldn't straighten. South Africa were out. They they were playing Wales that weekend, and it was like the Joubert team and uh, Van der Vestes and various people and Dalton, right? And, yeah. and uh, the Garrett used to get very antsy when he had a few beers. He was like real Jack and Lloyd. He goes, "Who the fuck do you think they are, bad? These fucking fans. Who do they think they are?" I said, "Well, they're the world champions, mate. They're South Africa." <laughs> he goes, "Fuck them! It's our fucking country. What the fuck are you doing over here? They fucking think they're something fucking special, like." And then, and then. And then Remember this big committee man, this huge, bored, blazing committee man just said, tell your friend he's fucking with the wrong people. I said, I said, I said get, I said, get, cool it, man. This is, just cool it. He goes, fuck him, fuck him. So I, we, we all went to go somewhere else and get him. And uh, get decided to stay there, right? So, and then we came into college the next day, the Thursday morning. He just had these two massive black eyes. And apparently on the way out, James Dalton had just headbutted him in the nose and just spread him. <laughs> For being a cheeky fucker. That is brilliant. Mainly because of... think they are, man? <laughs> Mainly because of that voice. That's the greatest story I've ever heard in my life. Were you at Ewick when Rob Blunt was there? Yeah, Blunty, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I played with Blunt. That's who I know who was there. Oh, OK. Yeah, I was with Robert Harlequins. This is lovely for all the listeners out there, isn't it? <laughs> what that memory Yeah, finally. 
Ross Waterhouse got. <laughs> That's I'm going to, have to get that as a as a my tweet or um, text notification. <laughs> Back up. <laughs> the um. <laughs> You're fucking with the wrong you'd people. Have like, you'd have two bottles of beer in each hand and a cigar in his mouth. Oh. <laughs> Back. Finally, Ross Wars, I was going to touch on Twitter. He said, shit was Khan Fota Alihi for milking the penalty with Brits on the floor. Good. Did you see this, Mike? No, I didn't. Thank God. I hate that. I hate so that sort of so Brit, Brits had found himself offside, crouched down mm. to get to that. And Fota Alihi picked the ball up and threw it directly at the bloke while he was oh, crouched down slow. to win the penalty. So he was saying shit was that. He was also saying good was that as well because it was quite clever. Although really it was shit, I think. Yeah, but the referee's got to use a bit of discretion there, hasn't he? Well, Wayne Barnes, <laughs> Wayne Barnes was heard saying, I haven't got a recording of it, was heard saying as he was walking away, short Brits lost his fucking shit over it, by yeah. the way, and had to be calmed down by, by Bad Barrett and everything. And he was still ch- having to go up Wayne Barnes and just said, and Wayne Barnes said to him, look, I know you're upset. There's no part reacting like that. It's the law. It might be a bad law, but it's still the law. Oh, fair play. <laughs> Hang on. And he's right, because he is a he is a, a barrister, old uh, Wayne Barnes, so he would know. He would know. Not well-liked in Wales, man, is he? He's not well. He's not well-liked. He's not, not, he's not as much as he's not well-liked in New Zealand. Let's say that. Yeah. Mike, it's been a pleasure. Cheers, Lee. That's been really good fun, mate. Yeah. It's really it's been a pleasure for the last how long we've we been going for. Hour, hour and, a and a bit. That's not bad. Okay. That's not bad. So thank you very much everybody for tuning in. Thanks for everybody for sharing your stuff. That's I've been Lee Calvert. He's been Mike Bobbins. And next week Josh Gardner will be back. And we'll see you all soon. Take care. Thank you. Take care. If you have a TV, you must have a TV license. It's the law. Inspectors are calling to unlicensed homes and businesses. If you don't, that can mean prosecution and a fine of up to €1,000. Get yours at tvlicense.ie or any post office. Brought to you by the Government of Ireland. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.